0: Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kinda City fans for Kinda City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're gonna talk about another instant classic, Reese. My goodness. Chiefs versus Chargers. I always I always say it, and you know, like the chargers haven't been as good this year so some people were saying oh yeah what what a rivalry this is patrick mahomes and a and a five and three justin herbert like they're, they're still five and three anyway another barn burner another instant classic what a what a wonderful game that was reese, but an even wonderful time even more wonderful time to see my buddy reese before the holidays reese how you doing buddy I'm not doing too
1: bad. I'm still psyched after that game Sunday night. Uh, I got to give a shout out. So quick story. My buddy and friend of the podcast, Alex Redrush, Nick Linko, and I went down the street to Jefferson's <laughs> in North Kansas City. Uh, Jefferson's, I believe, is a chain. Uh, I'm not like a national team, but I think if there's like one in Lawrence. Actually, let me look this up. This is important. I've had this conversation a million times. Jefferson. Right, I'll look it up while you okay. talk. <laughs> so I think it's like what is it called? Jeffersons. I think it's like the, the Lawrence equivalent of Harpos. You know how like Harpos is like originally from Columbia. And yeah. There's like one in KC. I think Jeffersons is like yep. from Lawrence, and there's like a couple in the KC metro. But I'll I'll let you be my guy in the chair on that. Long story short, so they advertise their big things are oysters, which you know you've got to get some of the Missouri oysters. Uh, oh, wings and burgers. <laughs> I've had their wings a few times now, and I have to say, very mid. I I, I really want to like mm. their wings, but they're very mid. I got the second hottest ones they had on the menu. They're called Turbo Wings. And uh, surprisingly mm. enough, they weren't buffalo style. It was almost just like a really spicy A1 steak sauce that they rolled them in, which, <coughs> pardon me, was fine. But A... It was very mid temperature wise. I, I probably could put on like 25 of those temperature wise. Uh, but the the <laughs> biggest crime, the biggest crime. So obviously, we are the unofficial Montucky podcast. Of course, of course. So, you know, Alex and I go there and, uh, you know, we want to get a bucket of PBRs because I think they usually have bucket specials and you can't do PBRs in buckets anymore. It's like, oh, it sucks. So we decided to just get Montucky cold snacks. And you know, we cleaned them out. We literally cleaned out their stash of Montucky cans. And, you know, that's a good feeling. We love that beer. But I go to the bathroom and there's a poster on the wall that says North, I think Northland Handshake. It's a it's a Montucky tall boy and a shot of Jim Beam for five dollars. Oh my gosh. And they didn't
0: tell you. Not once were we told of this deal. Oh, after every Montucky you kept getting, they didn't say, oh, by the way, Well,
1: the thing is, too, like it wasn't like we were ordering like we'll each get another round like Alex Alex got their first like it was kind of like ping pong and yeah, I'll have another one. Yeah, I'll have another one. Yeah, I'll have another one. So it's like there were no fewer than four or five transactions that occurred that occurred while I was there. (laughs) But this Northtown handshake was not extended to me. I felt like Tom Brady on the sideline with my hand in the air because nobody wanted to give me a handshake. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay may may i ask how how much was a regular montucky cold snack without the shot uh
1: hold on let me think
0: i want to say it was probably four jeez so you could add a dollar shot each yeah,
1: time yeah jim beam i bet this is a great combination that
0: that actually does sound really good i am i'm i just had a montucky tall boy now i'm switching to my skull it's that's just a beautiful combination yeah um so, Jefferson, so Reese, strong drinkability quotient on Jefferson's rated for a one to 10.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, what's an NFL player that, like, everybody keeps talking about how it has, like, potential to be great, even though, like, it's not shown to be great yet? <laughs> I don't, I have no oh, idea. Oh, man. We got to think of an example of that. Like, maybe Dak, maybe Dak Prescott,
0: you know? Okay, I mean, Dak
1: had an almost MVP year one time. I'm kind of blinded because I've had some good and bad memories there, but like, it's cool, it's local, uh, they got good drink specials. I need to extend out, branch out, and try some different things on the menu. Not Oysters Rockefeller, not Oysters in the Half Shell, but maybe try some of their burgers, try Chicken Sando or something like that. I think the place has
0: potential, and they're going to be getting more of my money in the future regardless. So Dak Prescott. <laughs> Alright, so out of 1 to 10, does it Dak Prescott? Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a there's actually a ton of these. It looks like they originated in at, at Alabama and Tennessee, because oh. there's a, at least like 30 or 40 of them in that region. And then for some reason, so you got a bunch in Alabama, a bunch in Tennessee, uh, a little bit in Georgia as well, and then four randomly in, in Kansas and Missouri. So there's one in Topeka, there's one in Lawrence, like you said, there's one, the North Kent City one that you went to and there's one in Joplin interesting so whoever told me it started in Lawrence lied to me I mean there's I mean it could be but like I'm looking at the locations there's a ton of them yeah down south man if we're gonna have down south restaurants might as well give us like Lambert's or something like that you've been to Lambert's oh you know what wait uh, I have not been to Lambert's but anyway I'm looking at their about section and they are correct it says it all starts with our world oh wait Never mind, I'm just assuming, but it, they are specifically saying <laughs> it says wings, burgers, oysters, and more. And then it has a their biography and their biography starts like this. It starts with our world-famous wings located at our restaurant in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, so why and that's it. Why would they put like three or four locations
1: in the KC metro? Okay, it looks like one in like the Missouri Ozarks neat
0: and then put like 15 down in tennessee <laughs> bama and georgia i mean that i mean you're 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 looking at the same map right there's a, so many yeah there's 2, two four, <laughs> six,
1: eight, 10 12 14 16 18 20 22 24 26 i'm counting 27 in a quick count and then yeah let's see how many we got in north Kansas? it's at 1 two, three, four. if we're counting Topeka, we got 5 in the kc metro i have with giant air quotes
0: yeah, this is weird. We should actually invite Mr. Jefferson on the podcast and and do some. We should we should we should do some like deep dive of thirty for thirty investigation. Yo, since you're
1: since you're so big into food and your food's kind of mid, seafood's kind of mid. I'm gonna call you midword. Is that okay? <laughs>
0: midward jefferson (laughs) oh my goodness speaking about midward jefferson reese can you talk about the oh it wasn't a mid game it was kind of exciting usa versus wales reese can you can you tell some of that game yeah because for those of you that don't know reese is the welsh wonder
1: yeah man welsh wonder welsh welker whatever you want to call me i'm there uh so my my dad's from wales like straight off the boat and he was born in 1958, which is coincidentally the last time Wales made the World Cup and the only other time Wales made the World Cup. Oh. But he was born after they made the World Cup. So this is the first World Cup he gets experience in his lifetime where he legitimately cares oh, that's about a exciting. team. Yeah, he's stoked. He's stoked. So going into the game yesterday, Armando was asking me who to
0: bet money on. And were you going to bet money on USA? Yeah, so I had just won. What did I just win? Um, I forgot what I bet on. I think I, I bet on the Chiefs. Money line and then I also bet on um sorry, I'm I'm blanking, but I won like twenty bucks. So then I I wanted to put all twenty bucks on the US, but then Reese told me not to. Yeah, I was surprised. Coming into this, I
1: think uh USA is ranked sixteenth, Wales is ranked nineteenth internationally, which I think are pretty fair. I told Armando, I said Wales' gonna have the best player on the pitch, and this is kind of his last ride with the national team, and this is kind of the end of the window of the golden era for the Welsh national team. Uh, So, I kind of expected them to play a chip on their shoulders. They're battle-tested. They made a run to the Euro semis back in 2016. So, I'm like, eh, I don't know, this, this Wales team's pretty good. But, dog, coming out in that first half, the United States, who I have been watching in qualifiers, they just blew me away in the first half the way they were dominating the game with time of possession, taking a 1-0 lead. It was... I would have told you, told you to bet the United States if I knew they are
0: going to look that good for a half. Did you watch the game? <laughs> well, I didn't watch the first half, so I didn't see how good they played. I, I really just saw the last half, which they kind of blew it, Reese, because USA was up, and then... It just looked like Wales was taking a lot of time off the clock, flopping a bunch. And again, I don't watch soccer religiously like Reese does and and our other boy, Oracle 39th Street Kyle. But I know enough to know that like there was a lot of flopping happening from the 60th minute to the 95th. I mean, even in extra time, some dude like hamstring cramped up. And and I was wondering whether they were going to add even more time in extra time because of how much time they were wasting. All to say, it just seemed like U.S. was not being aggressive at all and it kind of went to bite him in the butt at the end. So, here was the thing. A, I will say, I did not
1: know the United States was going to look this good talent-wise. I I know we have some young dudes like Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic. I can't even say his name right. Pulisic. 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 Oh, man, I'm terrible with his name. Uh, I I know those guys are like stonking hard overseas. We got a lot of young talent. And, you know, I said 2026 is the year this team is supposed to come up with the temperature. But... I mean, dude, the the level of skill and athleticism on this team right now is a completely different stratosphere than anything we've ever seen in the past in the national team. And I'm talking about that original golden generation with like Clint Dumpsey. Uh Lannan Lannan Donovan, Gypsy Altador. Uh, Wait, did you mean to say dumpsey? <laughs> I don't know. That's for the, that's for the listeners to decide. Uh, who else to talk about? Uh, Brian McBride. Tim Howard. I, I still have Kobe Jones, but even the then. Tim Howard. Well, Tim Howard. No, here's the thing. We've always had this weird affinity for like literal world-class goalkeepers. Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller. They're all really, really good. Uh the guy we have right now, he's really good too. But We've never had like world class it, it, it's always seemed like we send what feels and looks like a team of MLS all stars even if you know someone's like well I I ride the bench over Juventus it's like dude no one cares right in your blog but I mean <laughs> this legitimately looked like a world class skilled soccer team but the thing that's going to hold us back this world cup and hopefully not next world cup is our manager, Greg Beralter, because he is not
0: a world-class manager. And it sh- And Wait, let's... It, it starts at at his uniform. He was wearing this, like... This, like, Goodwill Nike shirt that said States on it. And at that point, I knew that, that we were gonna lose that match. I was like, this is the World Cup, dude. Everyone's watching. Why are you wearing a $5 shirt from Nike that says States? So here's the thing. That
1: generation I mentioned before... From like the early 90s, when soccer was brought back to the United States to this degree, up until the end of this Landon Donovan generation, I call them the soccer boomers because they're like the greatest generation that brought soccer back over to America. Right. They know soccer, blah, 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 blah. and like. We need to transition out of the soccer boomer generation because it's the people that are like, yo, you know, MLS competition is right up there with like, you know, the, the top five leagues in the world when it's not. We, we don't need to send players, you know, to, to other teams, academies overseas because, you know, they can get just as good experience, you know, playing college soccer and getting drafted in MLS. Also false. We don't need to watch European soccer. We can do things the American way soccer wise because we're, we're so close. We seem to break through. False. What you're seeing right now is the result of a bunch of young Americans who were shipped off, sold young, came up in foreign academies, and that's why they're so skilled. But until we get a manager who knows the game to the degree that international managers do, and it can also be a leader, the team is going to continue to be soft physically and mentally the way we
0: saw in the second half of that game against Wales. They should have won that game two or three to nil. So so your statement is that it was the manager's fault of, of the conservative play in that second half, and it wasn't our team, and that if our team had someone that wanted to play an aggressive offense, then it, we would have won, is what you're saying? I wouldn't even call it necessarily
1: conservative play in the second half.
0: It's just like,
1: you know, this is almost a perfect equivalent. It's like the Chargers, dude. The Chargers are loaded. At almost every position with talent that's as good or better than a lot of other teams in the league. But, like, until they get that head coach position figured out with Staley, man, it's like, you know, they they got a glass ceiling above them. And you see it again and again.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, what sucks too is that. in our group is England and England's pretty good. Yes. So like if we can't beat Wales and that was our opportunity to get ahead in this pool or sorry, in this group, then I really don't. Yeah, you're right. I really don't see a path. Like this is a game that you have to win, right? Especially when you're up one nil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when something, when you, when you tie with Wales, even the Wales look pretty good, like you still have to win that game so that we can't have a chance against England. But I mean, I guess anything can happen, Reese, because even though I did not bet on that game, I then bet because I thought it would be easy to do this 3 3 team bet. I think I, I bet uh France, Argentina, and then I bet Poland. No, Poland played Mexico, so I didn't bet that one because that was tricky. You bet I bet another team. Argentina but anyway. Be- <laughs> dude, I thought the Argentina Saudi Arabia game was a shoe in for me I was like oh great because like if I would have bet 20 bucks I would have literally won 50 cents wow. so I was like all right this is this is great you know I'm gonna win this and then I wake up to Saudi Arabia beating Argentina can you believe it Reese I, I so my my brother-in-law and my sister are here visiting uh Theo but b- before they go over to my parents for Thanksgiving um and my brother-in-law his family is from Argentina so uh, so I was given a bunch of crap because that's that's what you do to your brother-in-laws. Um, but he, he did bring up an in- interesting point that like Argentina, France and some other team, like a lot of their players are actually still playing in the Premier League. And a lot of them were playing before this because normally the World Cup is not during the during the season, but because in, in Qatar it's like a hundred some degrees in the summer. They had to move it to the winter and it's still like 90 ish degrees in Qatar right now. Um, but because of that, a lot of these big teams that have great players in the, in the premier leagues, um, they haven't had enough time together where Saudi Arabia um, I forget who France played, uh, but a lot of these smaller teams that play within their region um, they are able, they have just more chemistry. It's kind of like the, uh, the 19, uh, 19- or or the like 2002 USA basketball team that just like mm. blew it against against Greece. Ugh. So that was the argument that he made, but I mean, you still have Messi on the team, so it's inexcusable.
1: Well, I mean, those are all really good points he made. And I was actually talking to co-host of the podcast, Kyle Negg, about this recently. And like this, this entire World Cup has this odd feeling about it between, you know, being a World Cup in winter and in... You know, Qatar, which really doesn't have the infrastructure to be having a World Cup. It doesn't have soccer fans and stuff. That this, you know, it, it feels like a big... Or liquor loss <laughs> <laughs> That too. I mean, it, it feels like a big tournament, but it almost feels not like the World Cup, but
0: like World Gold Cup. You know, which is, again... It... So so do you think that people are playing like less competitively as, as such?
1: I, I think to a degree, they're not playing with the same intrinsic fire and passion they would, whether they realize it or not, that if it's like, guess what, guys? France 22, oh my gosh, World Cups in France it's summer, I've been training for this, you know, like you said, Premier League's not happening right now, in match shape, you know, right now people are just kinda like, oh yeah, World Cups in Qatar, okay, let's go, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that i mean like when's the last time that these upsets happen because my wallet is feeling it right now reese goodness anyway so we talked about whales we talked about whatever we talked about before again baby brain. i'm just gonna jefferson's. All the podcast. I, <laughs> jeffersons jeffersons <laughs> now let's talk about thanksgiving reese are you doing what are you doing for thanksgiving do you have any fun uh, talbot traditions uh, so we usually alternate
1: between Noel's family for Christmas and my family for Thanksgiving and, you know, uh, vice versa. And the way it landed this year is that it is a Smith family Thanksgiving and a Talbot family Christmas. So we're just going to be driving about 15 minutes up the road to Berry Road, Northland area, and uh, having, you know, lunch, dinner, whatever o'clock you want to call that with uh, Noel's family. Uh, it's going to be fun. You're going to take Bowie with us. We got him a new travel crate, so we don't have to bring his big metal one up there and you will probably watch some football, <laughs> drink some beer, eat some good food, but that's that's my Thanksgiving. What about you? Do, do do they do turkey in the oven? They do turkey in uh, it's like a turkey roaster, which essentially looks like a metal crock pot sort of thing, which I guess is like specifically designed for turkeys. You ever
0: seen one of those? Oh, cool. No, I haven't.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the same process as doing it in the oven. It's just electric, you know, electric coil powered instead of throwing it in a convection oven.
0: So Oh, that's pretty solid. W- yeah, what are your turkey uh, traditions? So- yeah, well, so this year's a little different uh, because we have Theo. Uh, we would normally go to my parents' place in Phoenix because they normally do a big thing. And it's my parents' mm-hmm. anniversary and my mom's birthday they're during all the same time that weekend. And then we do Christmas with the Snooks. Um, but because we have Theo, we decided to stay here. So the Snooks are actually going to come over to our place. And we're hosting Thanksgiving for the very first. I think this is our very first Thanksgiving we're ever hosting. Wow. I think we've done one Friendsgiving, but this is like our first one. So we're like, ooh, what do we do? What are the, you know, the traditions? How are we going to make traditions? So Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to make the turkey on the smoker on my my $50 smoker, dude. Yes, Uh, I found this incredible recipe on YouTube like I I'm going all out man. So I uh, just put the brine in today Mm -hmm. to have it chill overnight so then I can um, put the brine on the turkey tomorrow and do a 24-hour brine. Oh, yeah, like I have to mix the brine today and make it cool and stuff and I don't think I've ever done like like this is now like a 48 hour brine you know i mean like i'm making the brine two days before oh yeah so that's legit i'm excited about that um and then i also bought this injector that i'm gonna put creole butter into oh. the turkey <laughs> that i see yeah, the recipe like calls for like injecting the breast like five or six times and then everywhere else about three times and using almost like 12 ounces of butter on the bird <laughs> so dude i'm excited man and then i'm gonna throw it on my on my cheapy smoker but like hopefully i've done so much prep work on the turkey that no matter like what faults happen on that on that on that smoker it's gonna be okay (laughs) oh baby i i you know i've i've only done a turkey on a smoker once i forget do you have to wrap the bird at any point um, so this recipe doesn't call for wrapping it because like, for example, with ribs, you want to put ribs on for at least six hours where this recipe calls for only a three hour smoke. So as long as it's not like directly on the heat or on the left side of the smoker, um, it shouldn't get too dry. Uh, but, but they did say if the, if If the crust or not the crust, but the but the outer layer of the turkey, if it's too it gets too brown, Mm -hmm. then you can foil it over. But this recipe, the dude just throws it right on. Like it's just it's so juiced up like Jose Canseco. Oh, yeah. It it can't it can't get dry, dude.
1: Oh, my gosh, dude. You should have. uh, Hold on. There's got to be a joke here with like Mash Brothers or something like that
0: with mash brothers yeah you know canseco and uh mcguire being the bash brothers oh they were called the mash brothers sorry i thought i was like thinking of like like safeway or like like a grocery store (laughs) jeez the king super gobble
1: gobble i don't know Uh, I, i got baby brain too whatever bada
0: bing bada boom all right uh so anyway so that's the only like thanksgiving tradition that we have i mean you you've you've seen our place we we don't have enough space for football but hopefully when theo gets older we can start doing like a morning football game i think that'd be fun oh for sure (laughs) logan said we can toss theo back and forth how about that don't call cps let's just get right into the football game all right uh yeah any any last things before we get into the football game reese
1: nah I, th- I think that's about it um i just want right. to give a quick just want to give a quick shout on. out uh we are thankful for our friends and family and we are also thankful to all of our patreon supporters
0: oh my god i totally forgot keep going
1: if you would like to join that happy thankful family uh you can check us out at patreon.com backslash fcsm for bonus episodes, exclusive B reviews, and mini series, including Speedy and Angry, our 10 part in depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. I just recorded Furious 8 with, uh, wait, no, hold on. Furious 7 with Rad Rush and Alex Nikolenko. Uh, episode 6, Tokyo Drift, is cut, pasted, and going to go up probably Wednesday or Thursday. And then Furious Seven will get cut, pasted, printed not too long afterwards. So if you're dying for more content before then, check us out on Instagram at Fountain City SM, as well as Facebook, which I saw on our insights. People are still checking out our Facebook page. So really nice. Stonks. <laughs> bless you, everybody over the age of 45 listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: and and like sometimes i'll try to promote the podcast on those like big boomer chiefs groups oh yeah facebook that are probably run by russia (laughs) (laughs) but like sometimes we'll 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 get a like or two on those on those websites yeah dude that's that's actually how uh jonathan briscoe like that. that's what he did before he did uh 610 sports and and uh and the kc network by the way kc network is just like buying everyone they really they just bought um no n- n- no other pod mm-hmm. they also bought uh, they bought another podcast so they want. hey kc network how's it going
1: you want to buy us for the cost of better equipment i'm so open to sell out dude please <laughs>
0: they're like so they're like how much is patreon two dollars a month all right how about we give you four dollars a month it's done <laughs> sweet i mean just a hundred months
1: until i get that microphone i have my eye on
0: <laughs> holy crap that's like two two cups of coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: Ugh. Or one peppermint mocha from
0: Starbucks. Happy Red Cup mm, holiday season. Yum 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 Out of boy. Even though you're not at Starbucks anymore. Anyway, so let's talk about the football game. I'm just gonna set the scene up, and then Reese has a list of questions for me and for us to discuss. So the Kansas City Chiefs on a Sunday night beat the L.A. Chargers 30 to 27. And yep, it was it was a close game the entire time. We knew it was gonna be close. In fact, our friend Buffalo Mike wanted um, wanted me to take the points or to take the like betting line I think it was like the Chiefs were a 5.5 favorite and I was like I was like I've seen so many of these games. Yes, the Chiefs are better than the Chargers, but I don't care. Like, like if the Chargers were 0 and t- oh and nine before this game, it and 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 the Kansas City Chiefs were undefeated. It would still be Justin Herbert's best game, Austin Eckler's best game, like Brandon Staley for as much as he sucks, it would still be his best game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's just there's so many factors in this game. I don't care what the record is. It's always going to be a great game. And boy, was it a great game, Reese? What questions do you have for us or what do you want to talk about from this Kansas City Chiefs win Uh, by the way we are now four games ahead of the Chargers and five games ahead of everybody else in the in the division the 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 division where the Chargers the Raiders and the Broncos spent a billion dollars in the offseason to beat the Chiefs now the division is over and it's not even Thanksgiving
1: yeah Uh, good gracious so (laughs) First things first, I got to get this out of the way. I have been spouting this from the mountaintops since training camp that Isaiah Pacheco, a.k.a. IP to AP, he is going to be a stud. Over the last <laughs> two <to> games, <laughs> Pacheco has finally gotten consistent carries as the featured running back, which has resulted in... Two games of almost 100 yards. First one, I think he had 87 yards last week, and he had 105 yards this week on 15 carries for a 7.1-yard average. Armando, how
0: big was Isaiah Pacheco this week for the Chiefs? Amazing. Isaiah Pacheco is now the cowboy for the Kansas City Chiefs, not only because of this game, but because CEH uh, went down with a high ankle sprain during the game, and Andy Reid actually still hasn't cleared um, or or negated the possibility that CEH can be put on IR. So, I mean, this is actually a serious injury. So even like, even though Isaiah did well, the more practical reason why he might be the Cowboys is because CH is really banged up right now. All to say, though, like you said, Reese, Isaiah Pacheco, 107 yards, averaging over seven yards per carry, which is which is just amazing. And like, if you watch the game, it wasn't because he like capped off like a 30 yard or 40 yarder. Like he is consistently within the trenches, incredibly explosive from left to right and just darts over. I mean, I haven't seen this type of running since Kareem Hunt. I, and and I'm not afraid to say it, Reese, like what we're seeing against good defenses as well. Right. Like the the uh, the uh, L.A. Chargers, pretty good defense. Right. Even yeah. though they, they've had their woes this year, it's because they haven't had Mike Williams. They haven't had Keenan Allen. They've had some really inconsistent play on offense or defense. still pretty freaking good. And Isaiah Pacheco is is utilizing the offensive line like CH could not, right? There are always holes created by those front three. I'm talking about um, uh, Tooney. I'm talking about Creed. I'm talking about Trey Smith. They always set up CH, and he never capitalizes. Isaiah's capitalizing on what is happening for in the best interior line in the NFL. We're happy to see Isaiah Pacheco. He's the man. Bada bing, bada boom.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh there were stretches where they handed off to him, I think, three times in a row, and each time they they could not stop him, and Isaiah Pacheco was gashing him for yards. You know, I always do this with other players, so it's only fair to do with Isaiah. As you mentioned, he didn't just like you know prattle off like a 55-yard run, have a bunch of like intermediate things in between there. If you take his long for the day of 28 yards, he essentially went 14 for 80 yards, which is still a very healthy five-point. 2-5 average, if I'm doing the math right in my head. So Pacheco was huge in establishing the run, so the Chargers couldn't do the strategy they did in the first game, which was just send four and drop everybody else back into coverage because the Chiefs are just going to pass. They didn't have that option. Now, it also helped that Joey Bosa was not there tonight. But... K- right, Khalil Mack was all but ineffective. I yeah, think he lost one was there. He had
0: a really good game the first time. Uh, Derwin James, who is always in blitz packages, Asante Samuel's always there. Kyle Van Noy's there. Like, still no excuse. Yeah. So I am very excited because
1: we said it earlier back when they kept kind of flirting with Clyde and you know doing the three back system. You know, late in games where it's like that was the right play call. But Clyde's not fast enough to hit that hole, or Clyde's not fast enough to get the edge on the outside on that. Pacheco did that a number of times tonight that I'm just like, good gravy. This is exactly what we need to close out games against teams like the Bengals, you know, just so we can keep it keep it fresh on offense, so we don't keep it one-dimensional, so we can keep chipping away with field goals and just not go on stretches of zero points over a quarter and a half. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and and Reese, you and I have been talking about this like since the the Titans game, right? So the Titans game was pretty close in that 2017 because we have a predictable offense. And when you have an unpredictable offense and you add that layer that you can have that running back, like you said, it's hard to just rush for or it's hard to bring a blitz package. There's just so much going on in this Kansas City Chiefs offense now and having a consistent and a balanced offense which is what we've been saying for like years now, race. You and I have been talking about this for years. A good Patrick Mahomes offense is a balanced offense that sometimes even prioritize the run, because when you do that, then you can bring it off the top. Then play actions actually matter when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. And we saw that today, obviously, because when you have Isaiah Pacheco running and you have that play action, who does that free up? Uh, Travis Kelsey, I was going to say Tyreek Hill <laughs> Travis Kelsey
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, it, with a lot of love to a lot of young guys in this team, I mean, we saw Kadarius Tony go out, Juju Smith-Schuster was already out, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire went out, so I mean, like, a lot of what are considered, you know, the people that know the offense left in this game. McCall so, Hardman. McCole Hardman was out. Thank you. Yeah, so, like, Mahomes is, I mean, I don't want to say these guys are scrubs. They're not scrubs, but, like, these are, like, the unseasoned. But he's down
0: four starters. <laughs>
1: yeah, and he, he's thrown to second-year Noah Gray. He's thrown to first-year Sky Moore. He's thrown to first-year on the team Justin Watson. And, like, you would never guess because we had a run game that could keep the other team honest, letting these guys show their skills and get open.
0: Yeah, now that we're talking about it, Patrick Mahomes even said, he said, like, I just tell the guys to play their role. I don't look at who the player is. I just look at what route is supposed to be run. And and that actually means something, Reese, because I don't think someone like Zach Wilson sees offense that way. Or even the other Wilson, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Like they are seeking out certain players where when Patrick Mahomes said that in his interview, I was very shocked, actually. I was like, that's incredible. That's incredible that Patrick Mahomes is relying on the genius of Andy Reid and all they're doing is just plugging players in, and this is why we have to trust and we've always trust Brett Veach because he understands how this offense works. It Yes, Travis Kelsey gets spammed a lot, but Our offense is not predicated on that. It is predicated on the genius of Andy Reid with these intricate routes. And as long as you can plug players in like a Skymore, like a Jody Fortson, like a Justin Watson, even like Noah Gray, who's actually really stepping up now, like he's like when his number is being called, he is being placed in there. So when you got guys you can plug in, that's the genius of Patrick Mahomes and the genius of Andy Reid.
1: Well, like you said. You know, he's going to spam
0: Kelsey. I wouldn't say he's spamming him. He's definitely getting... Ten targets, fine. Josh Palmer had the same amount of targets that Travis did. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So,
0: I mean, obviously,
1: you know, Mahomes can say he's he's not looking for people. But, like, I think he's always in the back of his mind knowing where Travis Kelsey is. And I think that's a fact (laughs) now because Kelsey, with his second three-touchdown performance of the year... The year, the same year. The same year... 115 yards on six receptions as well as three huge touchdowns and the game winner. Dude, we always joke about how Mike Williams just like circles Chiefs games on his calendars and that's like his Christmas, you know? He's a nightmare
0: for us. Do you think the Chargers have to feel the same way about Travis Kelsey, right? Totally. And and insult to injury Andy Reid confirmed that the same play that we beat the Chargers last year in that barn burner at the end of the year is the exact same play that they pulled again to Travis Kelsey to beat them this week in in week 10 or sorry week 11, which is just which is just like. Insult to injury, man. You can't do a thing to Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes claimed Derwin James Jr. is the best safety in the NFL. You can't get the best safety to tackle Travis Kelsey. You can't get these guys in the secondary that I actually think are really impressive. Like I said, Asante Samuel, Kyle Van Noy, uh, Nasir Adderley, Drew Tranquil. All these guys are kind of pushing and shoving Travis Kelsey. You bring all these guys, you spent a billion dollars in the division to stop Travis Travis Kelsey and guess what you can't do it three touchdowns today Reese unbelievable we oh my gosh Travis Kelsey I know we've talked about it a lot but I'm gonna keep harping Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in NFL history I know Tony Gonzalez is still up on him like 6,000 yards maybe ahead of him I know like Tony has so much but come on we have to, like, just the the athleticism that this dude has for the body type that he has unseen anytime, anywhere. Travis Kelsey, you're the GOAT. Thank you for being in Kansas City.
1: Well, good Kyle out in his body because one thing I've noticed this year is he does seem to be, like, a step quicker and more forceful mm-hmm. when he's making his turns. And Andy Reid actually said in his presser this week, he's attributing that to the fact that Travis actually came to camp in shape this year. Like, he put the work into the offseason and was in shape Whereas last year he said he came in kind of out of shape, we had to get back up to speed. Now I've got some buddies that go to training camp up in St. Joe every year, and like they scout these things. And the number of times they've said, "Yeah, Kelsey Day One looks a little soft." I got him running hills with some of the linemen. I mean, I wow. believe it. I don't think he's out like partying, going like full out Gronk or anything. You know, like Kelsey's a Kelsey's a mesomorph. You know, like he's one of those guys who can put on muscle easy. He can probably also get a little bit out of shape a little bit easy. But what you're telling me is. This is the first time we've seen Kelsey in shape and he's doing this stuff all these years before. He's been sandbagging. He's 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 dropping (laughs) thousand yard seasons on you guys. Are you for real? Are you for real with that? That's insane. No, uh, Travis Kelsey, do you think, I know you just said, is, is it too early to say he is the goat tight end? Or do you think we
0: have to say he's on trajectory to be the goat tight end? So if we were debating like someone like a Sam Esquire Jr., he would absolutely say Travis Kelsey's not the GOAT because of the stats. Like Travis Kelsey does not have the like exact numbers right now because because Tony Gonzalez, if we go through his stats, are absurd. But again, the if you put their their two seasons or sorry, if we put their two careers together, I forget how many games. Tony Gonzalez has played more than Travis Kelsey, so... I think it's better to say Kelsey is on the trajectory to be the greatest of all time, but I'm not afraid to say it now. Look, I'm a Chiefs fan. I love Tony Gonzalez still, but I'm, but I'm not afraid to say it right now, Reese, the eye test, what we've seen, what he's able to do and what he's able to do in close games, right? Like, like these aren't just like, like 50 to 10 games against the Jaguars or the Giants. I mean, we're talking like games against some of the best defenses in the NFL and games where it matters where he needs to score so like what we're seeing like game style athleticism how he just dominates like like he dominates everybody and you have to double team him you gotta choke hold him you gotta hold him you gotta do illegal things for him to knock at the ball and he is still getting over 100 yards almost every game he's the goat Reese. i'm not afraid to say it
1: yeah it's pretty crazy i think when anybody ever brings up, you know, the potential GOAT tight end, they're always talking Tony, uh, Tony Gonzalez or a lot of younger people who are like, oh, Robin I want to debunk both those right now. So Tony, like it. you said, was as great as he was because he was so consistent and, like, reformatted what the tight end position was. He was the first, like, high-flying, crazy-receiving tight end. But here's the big thing. Travis Kelsey didn't get started playing until his twenty fourteen season when he was twenty five years old. His rookie year twenty thirteen, right. he had that knee injury. So he started playing at twenty-five. Tony Gonzalez first year, he was twenty one years old. He had a four year head start on Travis Kelsey, which Cheers. helps, you know, contribute to his fifteen thousand yards he put up as a, a tight end. Not to mention, I don't think he had a season under six hundred and fifty yards like Maybe once outside of his rookie year, so, so you know uh-huh. Tony Tony consistency, love it, love it, love it. It's the Rob Gronkowski one we have to debunk here, because Rob Gronkowski, much like Tony, started at age twenty one. You know he had his he had his full career ahead of him. Uh, the problem with Rob Gronkowski for me is that everyone bases Rob Gronkowski's greatness off of like two maybe three seasons. Where, yes, he was playing at, you know, maybe the absolute greatest three seasons of a tight end. But, like, that was it. The star burned bright and the star burned fast and then the star burnt out. You know? So, I don't know why everyone keeps talking about Rob Gronkowski like he had a great career. It's like, I don't... We, we, we don't talk about Bo Jackson as, like, a top three running back of all time. Just because Bo Jackson, you know, wrecked Tech Bowl and had, like, a good couple seasons you know back in the 80s or anything like that we don't we don't hypothetically make hit that career 15 years of that so like why are we doing that for rob gronkowski only four seasons of a thousand yards throughout his entire career travis is on six chasing
0: seven right now isn't he or is that is that our division titles yeah i lose track no no I think he's chasing six but but more importantly when you talked about those four seasons of over a thousand yards for Rob Gronkowski they're very sporadic in his career he's got one in 2011 and then he has a downturn in 2012 2013 then he, he comes back up 2014 2015 with those thousand yard seasons 2016 plagued with injury awful season then back his last good season is 2017 with over at that just over a thousand yards so again we have those four games or sorry those was four seasons where Travis Kelsey since 2016, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, going on seven seasons of surpassing a thousand yards. And even even then, if you go back to those first two seasons, it was eight hundred and sixty-two yards and eight hundred and seventy-five yards. Like like, come on, like he like he's basically right. Ba- like if he had one extra game, basically hitting a thousand yards every single season, which we did not see from Tony Gonzalez. And we absolutely did not see from Rob Gronkowski.
1: Yeah, Gronk's interesting because he has had some good. He had, I should say, some good records. You know, he had Kelsey on yardage. Kelsey has since passed that. He had Kelsey on 100 yard receiving games. Kelsey is now past that. Uh, The big thing he has is that single-season touchdown record of 17, which I can't say Kelsey will pass this year. Uh, He's got 11 right now through 10 games, so it's not unthinkable to say that he could touch that 17-touchdown mark. Mm -hmm. We still have uh, seven games, right? Yeah, but again... He was someone that Brady spammed. Brady spammed Gronkowski especially in the red zone way
0: more than Mahomes spams Travis. Oh, Kelsey. totally. Totally like we we and and you all have seen these these Kansas City games. We do some Barnum and Bailey crap on the red zone. We don't just spam Kelsey. And you know, last thing I'll say about Travis Kelsey, too, before, and then I promise I'll
1: shut up on it. One thing that's not being talked about enough for Travis Kelsey, even compared to guys like Tony Gonzalez, or T- T- Tony Gonzalez, why can't I say his name? <laughs> Tony Gonzalez, uh, Jason Witten, all these dudes, Shannon Sharp, Rob Gronkowski, particularly. Travis Kelsey is the greatest route runner and most intelligent tight end we've ever seen. Like his affinity for finding the soft spots in defense, that like I've joked about this. I call it the Travis Kelsey dream shake, you know, where he catches it with his back to the defender. He does like the world's slowest pivot that gets him every freaking time. And then he runs up the field another like four or five yards. The fact that he's able to just like manipulate defenses to that degree, know where he needs to be. His improvisational skills. He's the most intelligent tight end of all time, and that that's another reason why I think, at the very least, he's on track to be the GOAT.
0: Yeah, and, and doubling down, Reese, not only is he the GOAT, but because of his improvisational skills, matched with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes' pr- improvisational skills, Pat and Kelsey are the best duo in NFL history to boot. I like that. I like that a whole lot. That that can be another conversation for another day, but that also makes them special, right? That both of them do have that, like, okay, plays broken up, then the magic happens. Like, where else do you see that in the NFL? Anywhere in history and now, right? Like, you are seeing... Tua just throwing the ball up and praying, and Tyreek's like, Don't worry, I got you. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, I shouldn't even use that as a comparison. That's that's blasphemous that I that I would even put Mahomes, Kelsey with or Tua in the same conversation as them. But anyway, I'm just trying to think of like who who even has that same relationship for a consistent amount of time, right? We're talking the entirety of Patrick Mahomes career. I can't I can't name another duo. I mean, I guess. Montana Rice, I don't, I don't even know.
1: Montana Rice, I'd say maybe like that one year of Brady Randy Moss.
0: But again, that that's one year, like that that shouldn't count as greatest duos of all time if it's just one one season.
1: Yeah, Favre, uh, Donald Driver was really good. Um, I think Burrow Chase has the potential to be something really special. Possibly, they, 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 yeah, a lot of Peyton, work. To do Peyton to Harrison. Yeah, oh Peyton Pey- Oh my gosh, Peyton Harrison absolutely. Uh, you know, or Peyton but again Dallas like Clark.
0: Peyton Pey- even Peyton Harrison, I don't know if we have that improv improvisational skill. It really is just those like one-on-one matchups that Peyton is able to expose and obviously Peyton being the best pre-snap can can make those things happen, but this relationship between Pat and Kelsey when the play breaks up is unique and special and something I don't think we've ever seen and we might not ever see again. Agreed. Just like Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey are the greatest duo in the NFL, Reese and I are the greatest duo in podcast history. That's why you should be giving us $2 a month on Patreon but don't worry if you don't. because That's okay because we can still afford beers that we review, which we're about to review right now. How's that for a transition? See you soon.
1: favorite time of the podcast that's right it's this week in craft beer the segment of the show where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure this week's story armando it comes from well no, let me preface on this so i Uh-oh. do you know i i have a very intense and scientific algorithm for finding news on craft beer particularly googling the terms news and craft beer <laughs> and the first story that came up this week which i thought was too appropriate a because it's thanksgiving and b because of the snowstorm that happened and c because we have someone of the namesake in our group this story comes from the buffalo news and it is seven perfect oh local craft beers for your thanksgiving day <laughs> so are you down to climb it- with these I'm always down to clown Buffalo. Go ahead. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't know anything about like Buffalo brewing companies. I honestly should vet this through my buddy, uh, my former coworker who lived in Buffalo for like five years, ten years, something like that. Because I'm sure he'd be able to give
0: me the four one on these. But or or craft brew enthusiast Buffalo Mike from Buffalo. <laughs>
1: Buffalo Mike, got to get Buffalo Mike's opinion on this. Okay, so first on the list, it's gonna be beer followed by brewery. So okay. Big Joe from Thin Man Brewery. Mm, Mm. mm, mm. So this is an imperial stout brewed with typical coffee. Big Joe is rich in roasty notes of roasted coffee, vanilla, and chocolate. And it's only 8% ABV. Now, at what point... In human history, did only eight percent become a thing in craft beer? Like eight percent to me, <laughs> anything above seven, you're in like getting heavy area. So
0: only. Oh eight. yeah, I mean if I have if I have two plus eights, it's uh, game over. Yeah, seriously, that's why sessions uber exist. Uber time, it's uber time. That's why Montucky's exist. Well,
1: speaking of hey, Montucky's, uh, the next one is White Bronco IPA from Brickyard Brewing. So. This is a uh, flagship flagship hazy IPA, and it is one of the most underrated New England IPAs available locally. So, Hmm. yeah, that sounds interesting. I've heard of Brickyard, actually, so I'd be curious about White Bronco. All right, next up, we have Curly Loaf Italian Pilsner from Resurgence Brewing Company. Oh. Yeah. I know I had an Italian Pilsner with you, and we hung
0: out in Colorado Springs that one night. So, oh yeah. What uh, who was that by? I don't remember. It was like it was that it was at Trails End. I think so, yeah. Or, yeah. Was like, yeah.
1: So it was it was all right. I'm not huge on Italian pilsners, a little bit kind of sweet. I think Italian pilsners mm-hmm. is like
0: the equivalent of American bread. Very yep. sweet. Less, less bread crummy, yeah, than the German ones.
1: Yeah. So not my go to, but that's cool. That's cool. Uh next up, Blood Orange Let's Go Pills from Community Beer Beerworks. <laughs> So, I pandering
0: mean, to the fans,
1: yeah. Oh, I just actually I just got that. Let's go pills. Let's go pills. <laughs> yep. Nice. Yep. Blood orange pilsner. Interesting. All right. Uh, next up is Turkey Trotter from Big Ditch Brewing. This one, it's a Blondale. Okay, so we've got a couple pills. Uh, we've got a Blondale. I mean, those are all pair good with Thanksgiving food. Uh what else? What else? Winter lager and I'll bring dessert carrot cake sour from Hamburg Brewing. Hmm. I mean those both sound good. I like I've had a carrot cake beer once. Wasn't a sour, but uh the winter lager is I would guess just like a straight up winter lager, maybe like a doppelbach or something like that. Or uh Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Seven beers to bring to Thanksgiving if you are in the Buffalo area.
0: All right, that well actually you know what? I think Buffalo Mike's uncle was listening to our podcast and they're all they're all in Buffalo. So hey, if you're listening to us, shout out or even comment on our social media, let us know if you like any of these beers or any of these breweries out in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, seriously. I mean, I know that area of the country is, you know, very proud of their craft beer. So I bet.
0: Although, can 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 they even get to breweries right now with all that snow still from the week, dude? If if uh, Spencer Brown can
1: light the beacon and get like half the neighborhood to
0: plow a path for him, I bet he could do it. <laughs> that is pretty. Yeah, I have to go back and look at one of those articles. But yeah, they like they got all the Buffalo Bills interns to like like go out to Home Depot and buy plows and just go to every single home because I don't know how many. I forget how many people are on an NFL roster, but I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of backyard or a lot of, um, not backyards, a lot of doors and grasses to plow.
1: That is, that is a heck of a lot of snow. Driveways,
0: so, what I wanted to say, baby brain.
1: So now a little bit of transition here, uh, in honor of Thanksgiving, I have a delicious beer that is very Thanksgiving themed. Uh, one of my favorite breweries that I mentioned Italian on Pilsner, say what Italian Pilsner Super Mario. No, 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 no. Uh, Super Barleo. Huh, That'd be interesting. Nice. Uh, anyway, so uh, one of my favorite breweries is Prairie out of Oklahoma. Uh, and today I have Pumpkin Pie Treat, a sour ale with pumpkin pie spice blend and toasted marshmallow flavor.
0: Ooh, this is uh, Prairie Ale. This is the same place that did the um, collab with... Boulevard? They did a collab with Boulevard. They did Prairie Bomb. They did the uh,
1: Thai curry treat that I reviewed on this podcast as well. Do you remember that one?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Maybe in the beginning of the year? So this has to be the same series because it has the same checkerboard design in the background, just with orange. Uh, But what's interesting is I know Boulevard used to do a sour pumpkin ale. I think it's called Funky Pumpkin. I never had it. Uh, The people I talked to about it a lot of people said, "Oh, it was really good," and then like some of the people I knew that worked at the brew were like, "No, it wasn't," you know. So
0: it <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun how that works. So they're like, like customers' favorite beer normally is not the favorite beer of the employees, yes. which is always funny. And then vice versa, the the most favorite favorited beer of employees is never the favorited of the customers.
1: That's about the way it goes. Yeah, very much so. Yep. So, without further ado, Armando, tell them how we review beers
0: in this podcast. All right. We have several categories that we review beer, starting with appearance, then aroma. How does that beer smell? Then our favorite taste, which is flavor. Then we have mouthfeel. We have aftertaste. And then after all that, we then have stonks drinkability quotient, which basically means how awesome is this beer? How does this beer make you feel? You know, the uh, the can art, the brewery, you got to consider all those things when it comes to that stonks drinkability quotient. rate them one to 10 on all those categories, one being the worst, 10 being the best, and then... Because it's Prairie Ales, I will preface, Prairie Ales is already on our Mount Crushmore uh, with that stout collab that Boulevard had with Prairie Ales. So I will say, if this gets high remarks, we might be saying, is this going to be a Mount Crushmore? All right. So first up is appearance, correct? First up is appearance. Let us know how that tasty sour looks. It's a very opaque tangerine color.
1: Um, looks like an IPA from here it kind of does look like an IPA yeah I would say having had the Thai curry treat uh, this is I mean it has to be like the same base beer with different adjuncts in it because it's like the exact same opacity just a different tinge color Uh, a lot of foam on this one a big foamy head I mean straight out of the can this thing wasn't even like super shook up or anything like that I'm still trying to get the rest of it in the glass yeah it's
0: great head retention it, it
1: it looks like it's gonna be a light beer. I'm seeing a very little bit of carbonation in the glass. I don't see any floaters or anything like that. I think it looks attractive for a sour ale. Doesn't look gimmicky. I'm gonna give it a eight point four on
0: appearance. All right, eight point four in appearance. Then we have aroma. Reese, give that a nice sniff and let us know what what you what you smell on that. What adjuncts do you get? What flavors do you get on that sour? I mean, it's interesting.
1: I I do get pumpkin pie spice in there for sure, you know, that nutmeg, Mm -hmm. that coriander, maybe a little bit of cinnamon, clove, definitely, Uh, and at the same time, I get sour tinginess to it, so I'm actually going to kind of liken this to, did you, okay, so this is, uh, it might be like an Eastern European thing, or maybe it's an Austrian thing. But did you ever make these in art class in elementary school where, like, you you had the orange and you just stuck cloves into it? And it was kind of like a Christmas, like, potpourri thing. I think, it, no, no. I, I think it's French. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, anyway, so it, it kind of reminds me of that because you get a lot of clove, but you also get, like, bitter acidity from the citric acid and the orange rind. So that's kind of what I'm getting from this. So if people are going like, "Ew, sour pumpkin," that sounds gross. It's like, no, this is, you know, it's it's a nice blend of sweet and sweet savory. <laughs> so, okay, I'm sorry, I just rambled and forgot to give it a rating. I'm gonna say the aroma on this, I'll give it another eight four. That's really
0: balanced and smells really interesting. Solid, solid eight four. All right, now it looks like you already beat us to the chase. I saw you take a little sip. What is the flavor? On that sour.
1: Oh, it's daddy. That is interesting. Daddy approved. Hmm. Man, where to begin? Yeah, it does taste like pumpkin pie. It tastes like drinking pumpkin pie. Uh, without being gimmicky, it tastes. I, I don't know. Anybody, Armando, you ever had like pumpkin puree just like straight out of the can, just out of curiosity? Just, just tried it. No, but that that
0: sounds really good though.
1: S- so it's it's like pumpkin in its most uh, purest form, because it's not like loaded down with sugar and marshmallow and whipped cream and all that stuff yet. And that's what this tastes like. There's a bit of that like natural sh- uh, natural acidity and bitterness to the pumpkin, which is coming in the sour ale. But I'm also getting a lot of whipped cream in there, which is probably the marshmallow flavoring. And I think if I try, I can taste crust, or maybe my brain is just filling in the gaps and tasting crust for me. But I tell you what, that is not an easy flavor to get right. And they got it right.
0: I think it's a 9.3 on flavor. Oh, darn. You know, Reese, does, Reese rarely gives nines and rarely goes above nines. So that's a pretty darn good beer for Reese's taste. Excellent. Let's continue on that taste then, Reese. What is the mouthfeel on this beer? I think what's funny, uh, it's got a mouthfeel of almost kind of like a sessionable IPA,
1: which I would say makes sense. It's 5.5, you know, a little bit heavier than a session, but it's within that area code. It's like a very, uh, a very finely carbonated, like San Pellegrino. Kind of mouth feel to it for being a sour. It's bizarre because you do get sour flavor in here, but there's like absolutely no pucker in your mouth. Even mm. even as far as like gozes go, there's no pucker in your mouth. Uh It's I would say it's on the verge of crushable if not for the fact that like it's such a complex flavor. You don't want to crush something like this, or you're gonna hate yourself. So I yeah. think it. This is probably a top tier mouthfeel. I'm gonna give that uh that's probably a nine
0: six on mouthfeel. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. I mean, he's he's slamming home runs with this guy. Um, great. Then we got we got aftertaste then, Reese. are we still gonna have those high remarks with aftertaste? So
1: I get a little bit of odd bitterness in the sides of the tongue, kind of a greenish flavor. It's probably from whatever kind of hop they threw in there. I don't know, maybe something noble. But that's not my favorite thing. But I do get the the aftertaste is where you get the marshmallow flavor and some of the pie crust. So I really do like that. Let me take one more sip of this. Now, I'm not going to ding a quarterback too hard for having a bit weird of a throwing motion so long as he gets the ball there consistently. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say aftertaste on this is probably an
0: 8.1. Okay. All right. It's yeah, still not bad, though. 8.1. And last but not least, Reese, we have Stonk's Drinkability Quotient.
1: So if I get a freestyle on this beer, I will say this is the second beer in what I assume is the treat line. or I don't know if I just made that term up. Uh, for Prairie Arsenals, I know it's it's sort of funny because Prairie is really proud of their Imperial Stouts and they're really proud of their sours, which are like two absolute dichotomies, you know, of contrasting styles right there. And you know, Prairie makes Gozas and light sours very well, and this is one that has to fall into that category. It's not easy to make this sort of stuff and make it not taste gimmicky or kind of you know failed or no pun intended half baked. But I tell you what, trick or treat, Kansas City. This is a treat I would want <laughs> next to my turkey and stuffing on Thanksgiving. I'm going to give Stonk's drinkability quotient on this a solid
0: 9.1. Oh, man. All right. So very high remarks, a very high endorsement from Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. Uh, Reese, since there weren't any 10s, I'm going to say this is probably not on Mount Crushmore. Does it meet the summit, though? Does it Does it crawl all the way up those... those um, those Manitou Spring steps into the summit.
1: I think it's one that I'll remember. I, I, it's Maybe not quite in the summit of stuff. I think it's it's probably like uh, a Philip Rivers, a Donovan McNabb, you know, a hall of...
0: The foothills, perhaps.
1: Yeah, the, the foothills where it's like, obviously, if you're going to tell when... Uh, how do I put this? Like when the Ben Roethlisberger documentary comes out eventually you know about like ben roethlisberger's career it's like obviously philip rivers is going to be in there a few times you know and donovan McNabb will be there a few times or you know when the patrick mahomes documentary eventually comes out i'm sure that josh allen will be in there a few times or justin herbert will be in there did you just put
0: josh allen on the foothills of of quarterbacks
1: i I don't mean to take too many (laughs) stefan digs at the guy he's great i love josh (laughs) allen uh anyway no um yeah, no this this is this is uh this is in that hall of very good that Fran Tarkleton, for Tarkenton and Warren Moon and uh you know I'm trying to think of any other quarterbacks like Dante Culpe I feel like there's a lot of Vikings quarterbacks. Sorry Sam.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we love Nebraska. We love Minnesota Vikings. S- Steve
1: McNair. Um th- those those kind of guys. It's it's in like the high Steve McNair
0: Philip Riversfield Cool so definitely not in like Kurt Cousins range but like could be possibly one day I see I see No no no, no. Kurt Cousins ate Kirk Cousins that I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's still like, like I've said in the past, Reese and I have reviewed over 120 to now 130 beers. So not that this beer is not bad or sorry, not a good beer. It's, it's still an excellent beer. We've just reviewed so many amazing beers, uh, but definitely high remarks from Reese. So please check this beer out. I'm assuming you can probably get it at the pairing or one of your favorite liquor stores, Reese out in Kansas city, bruh. I can go on a tangent on this. You know, this podcast is going to lo- run
1: long. I'm going to have to say it too bad, everybody. So today, I got to give a <laughs> shout out to Bubbles Wine and Spirits on North Oak Traffic Way. Because you know okay. you know, the pairing's my jam. You know I- I'm loyal to the right. pairing. I love them. But I've always... i always... When I go to Kansas City uh, in February, you know that's where I'm going to be like half the time. Oh, dude, we're taking you. So here's the thing. I had always heard good things about Bubbles. North Oak Traffic Way is a silly place, man. I, I mean, like there's there's one car repair shop one car tent and one dentist every block i kid you not and there's also the weirdest fast food restaurants there like captain dc foods and margaritas and los pepitos and things like that it's a silly place so naturally people are like bubbles is great and i'm like you know what They did have the cheapest prices in the metro for the two kegs I had for my wedding reception. So I was up there at the vacuum repair shop, because North Oak Trafficway. And I'm like, I will go a block or two down the road, go to Bubbles, and check it out. So I drive past my dentist, I drive past my auto repair guy, and I go to Bubbles. And dude, Bubbles beer selection is like... A sensory overload of incredible. Just from like the, the, all the colorful labels they had of all these different beers was phenomenal. Their Mix 6 selection was also very good. And the other thing they had going for them in their Mix 6 was the fact they had a lot of like macros in the Mix 6. You know I'm talking like your Breckenridge's, your Deschutes, your Odell's which you don't often see in the loose mix sixes. And there's plenty of stuff that I want to try from those breweries, but I don't want to commit 14 bucks to a six pack of what could be a very mid winter ale. So fair dude
0: bubbles coming out hard. Great beer selection. We're taking you there when you come out here in February all right excellent we'll add it to the list of things i have to do which are really just the pairing up down and now bubbles so shout out to bubbles we uh we definitely need some sponsorships so please reach out to us after this podcast all right we've just done a great beer review now stay tuned for some other great chiefs chargers wrap-ups Make sure that you check out that beer from Perry Ales and also check out Bubbles, an excellent store for beer, liquor store, perhaps. Um, speaking about great things in store, we have a great wide receiver in store for Kansas City's future, and that is Sky Moore. Reese, tell us a little bit about him, and then we'll talk about him.
1: There's been up and down seasons for Sky Moore, mostly more downs than ups, primarily in his gaffes for special teams and punt returns. However, in this game, I don't know if you can call it a breakout, but I think you can call it a breakthrough And how Sky Moore got his groove back. Five receptions, 63 yards for a 12.6 average. Not to mention, he had three huge conversions on what were difficult, difficult third downs. So we're finally potentially seeing our second round wide receiver of the future, Sky Moore, step up and put on the big boy gloves especially considering the fact that, as I mentioned, we were so decimated in the wide receiver core. Juju Smith-Schuster out because of some dirty neck injury hits, all that, not great. We said, okay, it's going to be a big Kadarius-Tony game. Kadarius-Tony goes out, and what was it, like the second quarter with a tweaked hamstring issue? Yeah, uh-huh. not even, yeah. He, he had a great block, but that was about it. McCool <laughs> Hart, yeah, great block. that called back on a foul, which was absolute garbage. Dude, you want to talk about crying? Be like, oh, he's hit too hard. It's like, grow
0: up. Come on, dude. dude. dude Kadarius Tony, like I've, I forgot what Andy Reid said a couple of weeks ago, but he was like, "We we didn't bring Kadarius Tony here to block, but in two games we've seen just some incredible blocking from from a, a wide receiver, which again was just like icing on the cake." Giants, why you why you got rid of him? We don't know. We don't want to know.
1: Yeah, he's looking like Bob Sanders out there, man. Threw that hit and then ran a route, <laughs> man. I love it. Anyway. Yes. So with all those guys going down, Nicole Hardman also out, not to mention, we were down to Sky Moore being one of, you know, our only receiving options active on the team at that point. I think I think we had called up Cornell Powell and special
0: teamer Marcus Kemp from the practice squad earlier on. But yeah, dude, uh, Sky Moore with the second most targets in the in the in the game to Travis Kelsey. What do you predict for Sky Moore going forward at this point? You know, kind of going back to my um, uh, to my analysis, saying that the 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 Kansas City Chiefs have an offense. Andy Reid has an offense and they're plugging and playing people in that offense. So it's safe to say Kadarius Toney was being plugged in to play that McCole Harmon role when McCole was gone and then you know McCole taking that from Tyreek Hill essentially. So there is that specific gadget role that is, is played. Of course Tyreek did more but part of his role was playing that sort of gadget that sweep that the, the, those screen plays where I saw Sky Moore kind of taking some of Juju Smith's Juicer's role this year where he's being put in the middle of the field those curl routes that we're seeing uh, Sky more perfect The the I think one of the differences is that Juju can do a lot after the catch we're not seeing that from Sky yet but again Sky was the reason why he was drafted was because he was one of the best route runners in the draft class and he has proven that this year like his routes are great we just have to add if we can add that improvisation, the yards after the catch with Sky Moore, then he becomes something very special. But for now, his role is excellent, right? This is all we need him to do because we have the improvisational specialist of Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, and now Kadarius Tony also taking this like really nice yards after catch role. But if Sky can just complete those passes, those routes, those really difficult curls coming back in when someone might be going off the top, Top. Really great role for Sky. Love him in this offense. And good that he's finally getting some opportunity because again, in the playoffs, we have again, I'll just name them all because I love naming all these guys. In the playoffs, people that have had like great games during this during the season that can then show up in the playoffs are now Kelsey, Juju, McCole, Kadarius, Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, MVS. And, and Jared McKinnon, even. I've, I've just named eight different receivers. I mean, truly crazy. And Sky Moore is a part of that.
1: Let's throw a crazy wild nine on there as well. We should be getting Blake Bell back from IR sooner rather than later. And, you know, he's he's a seasoned veteran on this team. He knows the sure. offense. Knows I just the offense say,
0: can plug him in. I, I just want to say, I,
1: I would like a cold snack take back from all of the Chiefs fans who are starting to write off Sky Moore just because they were looking over the fence at uh, at Pickens
0: and being like... At Pickens? Hey, it was I, I I was actually one of those one of those guys. I'm kind of still one of those guys. I mean, I, I'm sorry Reece, i sorry, Reese, but I actually still want George Pickens. I mean, he, he looks incredible.
1: Well, I mean, P- Pickens is looking real good, but here's the thing is like, we don't want somebody that Pat can just kind of like yeet and throw it up to and use as a stopgap. Sure, cause sure, because then, then we, we do just...
0: cover one disasters, right?
1: Exactly. It's like, I would rather we have like just a really high... Floor, Mister Dependable, and Sky Moore—if that's what he winds up being—you know, someone that can can move the chains on third downs. It's like we don't need more hero ball. It's like hero ball is potentially what cost us the Super Bowl last year. You know, totally. So to totally. To, to everybody who's just like, oh, Sky Moore's kind of a bust. Shut up! It's been ten <laughs> games, and he's a rookie from the Mac. I hope this showed up that on the bright lights, the big stage of Sunday Night Football in prime time. Sky Moore, when called upon, answered that cell phone and did not leave it on red.
0: Yeah, and 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 kind of to put a button on this, like. The 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 only criticisms that you could have had against Sky Moore was was just on special teams. Yes. Like he just hasn't had the 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 opportunity during the year to have a six target game with five receptions. Right. He's only been targeted like three or four times average, if that before this game. And that's not his fault. It's just, again, we got so many weapons and now they're gone. And he he's he stepped up next man up. And boy, it was great. It could be huge next year. There's talk of maybe cutting uh, Marquez Valdez
1: Scantling to save seven million in cap space. I mean, if just McCole, uh, obviously, yeah, McCole, obviously. I think even if just, Juju. If just well, I, th- I think the talk now is maybe save Juju, like find the mm. money for Juju, which honestly, I'd be cool with. I think yeah, next that's ju- fine. Next year, I think if we ran with a receiving core of Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, and Kadarius Tony, I'm like I. In no particular order, it's like I like that
0: one through four.
1: Plus Noah Gray, Joey oh, yeah. Forts, and Travis Kelsey. I, I, I'm liking that.
0: I think that's okay. And then again, th- so something that we also haven't talked about. Justin Ross. If Justin Ross oh. comes back and he's healthy and he plays <laughs> to what they think he is, like good night, good night, NFL, dude. Oh my gosh, give me give me just a
1: you know I want the Empire State Building because I want nothing but high floors. Come on. <laughs> So anyway, uh, some other things I want to talk about with you, Armando. Uh, just going through this game, we've talked about offense on one side. I want to talk about offense on the other side, particularly the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. Now, after the game, I have now infamously sent into the group chat that Justin Herbert is just Philip Rivers 2.0, which I know Yeesh. is a, a stark contrast from what I was saying at the beginning of the year that I think he's a very, very bad man. And I still think he is a very, very bad man at what he can do, but okay, the quandary of Justin Herbert, the dude puts up stats, the dude doesn't howitzer for an arm, the dude cannot win football games. What is
0: Justin Herbert at this point? there's a lot going on with LA chargers. And I don't know if, if we can put a lot of the blame on Justin Herbert, we can put some blame on him. I just don't know what the percentage is like. Okay. Let's talk about people that we can blame over Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, right? I think Brandon Staley gets a lot of the blame for, for LA being five and five right now. I mean, a lot of the decisions that he's making just boneheaded. And we're also hearing that Sean Payton might be taking over that role very soon. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, you're not hearing it. No, no, I've heard it. I don't want it. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I don't want it either. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so we're, we're hearing that. So safe to say that, that percentage wise, I think Staley gets more, uh, more of the blame. Now on offense, it gets interesting because yes, Mike Williams was back and Keenan Allen was back and Keenan actually had a pretty good game. Five, five or seven for 94 yards. And then Mike Williams had like one good play and then tweaked his ankle again, rip. Um, but like, but for most of the year, Justin Herbert has been rolling with DeAndre Carter and Joshua Palmer as his one and two. I don't even know who they're tight. I don't even... Do they even have a tight end? I don't even know.
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, is do they even roll with a tight end?
0: Stone <laughs> Smart sounds like a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> stone no, Smart. No, Isaiah Spiller's a running back. Uh,
1: oh, it is the, is he is their tight end. Stone Smart with two it's T's. really tight Stone end. Smart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's. this is exactly my point, Reese, is that... <laughs> I. I th- <laughs> And it's smart with two T's too. Wait, did you just say that? Yeah, Sorry. it's smart with two T's. Show some love to Kadarius Stoney. <laughs> anyway, I'll also say I'm I'm not gonna put the hundred percent of the blame on Justin Herbert. I still liked what he did in this game, but but yeah, they like he he was holding the ball way too much. Yes, our defensive line looked impressive and they are impressive, but you 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 can't get sacked five times like that you know that just can't happen he has to get the ball off he's he's also not using his legs a lot like what we saw a couple years ago or even last year we saw a lot of movement from Justin Herbert and we're not seeing a lot of that and that could be the injuries that he's had this year particularly to his chest um so I don't know I don't don't know what's going on with Justin Herbert he's still making good throws I will do a cold snack take back and I'm sure Sam Esquire Jordan is going to love this but maybe this is not the greatest divisional rivalry in NFL history anymore because of what the LA Chargers look like. And Justin Herbert looks like right now.
1: Yeah. It's it's so tricky to say, because you know, it'd be disingenuous to be not to note the amount of injuries they have this year, but like they also were this exact same team last year, minus Khalil Mack, where they're just loaded with talent at the wide receiver position. Got a great running back, great quarterback, great defense, tons of talent on defense, but like they still went under 500, missed the playoffs. So I think next year is going to be a big measuring stick for the San Diego Chargers to see who they are and like what they do, provided they stay healthy. I don't necessarily want to write them out just yet because I do think when the squad is fully healthy, they do have a lot of talent. But I think the flip side of that coin is, is like, do they have a lot of talent or did they just do that thing that a lot of NBA teams tried to do in the two thousands with LeBron and like, instead of just building a good team, they're like, we got to build a chiefs killer and it's like, okay, that's great for killing the chiefs, but there are like 30 other teams in the league. You also need to worry about, which is like, okay, great. You can go within three points against us, but you can also go against three points against the Marcus Mariota, let Atlanta Falcons and squeak out of there with like 17 points, you know? And I think, Think that's a big problem with the Chargers going forward and with their identity as a team.
0: Yeah, you, you actually bring up a really good point, And I'm actually going to steal a point from Buffalo Mike today. So Mike Williams is a Chiefs killer because of the defense that Spags puts out there, right? Like he he doesn't give his corners help. The corners have to fend for themselves. Or if Mike Williams is put up against a Falcons defense that is not necessarily good, it's a better scheme for that Falcons defense against a Mike Williams. And then you look at a guy like Keenan Allen, where Keenan Allen did like have one off the top he had a long of 46 but Keen Allen kind of looks like Mike Willie or sorry no Keenan Allen kind of looks like Michael Thomas in the sense that like he's this short route runner like very athletic but he's kind of just dinking and dunking almost um, and not necessarily this like crazy NFL DeAndre Hopkins um, so I think your point is correct in saying that they have constructed this team to destroy the Kansas City Chiefs and look at Josh Palmer is a is a perfect plug-and-play for Mike Williams, eight receptions, 106 yards for two touchdowns because he's kind of built the same way and perfect against these one on ones against our guys. And again, it wasn't Trent McDuffie that got blown up. It was our guys, uh, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams that were getting blown up by these guys. So again, I think it's schematic, but they are putting all their eggs in this one basket and have failed. So brand has to I, I think I think they do have the pieces like not only for the Chiefs, but they they have the piece. Like, Austin Eckler's good. Keenan Allen, pretty good. Mike Williams, maybe not as good as he is when he plays the Chiefs. Still pretty good. I think they just need better leadership and figure out how to turn this team around because they do have the talent.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up the concept of getting burnt, particularly one-on-one coverage, because this is a growing habit and a growing concern now We've kind of seen it throughout the Spagnuolo tenure, particularly starting to rear its head last year. Uh, It ultimately killed us against the Buffalo Bills this year, and it potentially killed us against the Chargers this year when it was 3rd and 18, under five minutes to go, and we could essentially put the game away if we can stop 3rd and 18 deep in their own territory. But 3rd and 18, Spag sends the house, leaves his corners and one-on-one coverage, and not even his best corners, but corners in one-on-one coverage, and Keenan Allen it, burns man. us deep and blows the game wide open. This is a concerning habit now of Spagnolo once again being unable to scheme to stop third and a mile. So how concerning is Steve Spagnolo and this defense to you going forward?
0: You know, I'm not, I'm not as concerned as maybe you are on this point. I'm just confused. Like why, why is Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson out there on a third and 18 and McDuffie or uh, Snead is not out there. Moreover, it's not like, it's not like McDuffie's on one side. And for example, uh, for example, Keenan Allen's on that side and then he motions to the other side, like, like uh, Keenan Allen is paired up with Jalen, with Jalen Watson And Spags has has made it that way right it's not like there was some motion to then go to a Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson like like it was always planned to be that way in his scheme so there's so much confusion there as opposed to worry like like again we we are beating these teams and and I've never been worried during these times and I actually do like this blitz packages I know they're incredibly risky but sometimes like we do need to be risky and get Snead out there and get into the quarterback it really does Change the 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 momentum of the game. Um, panic meter. Maybe I'll maybe a six, Reese. I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I'm. I'm just. I'm really. I'm. I'm still holding true that McDuffie and Sneed are incredible. And that even if we have these one or two blown plays from Jalen Watson or Joshua Williams, I think we're going to be okay. I'm just confused, man. Like I, again, this is a Kansas city fan podcast. So maybe someone knows better than I X's and O's, but the, I really can't think of an explanation why those guys are out there on third and 18. You
1: know, I'll tell you what's really weird too, is that like, <clears throat> at least for spags, it's like there's defensive line, there's linebackers, there's cornerbacks. But, like, where have our safeties been all season? Especially, like... Yeah, that's weird. And, yeah. And getting like, help. I, we rarely see Justin Reed. <laughs> rarely see Justin Reed, which, I mean, I guess is good. It means he's probably not getting burnt. But, like, you know, Brian Cook, that stud out of Cincinnati we drafted. It's like, dude, I haven't heard it. I forgot he was on the team, like, half the season, you know? So, like, is he doing a good job? Or are they, like, working around him? not running three high safety, yeah. You know, I think that's one thing we really need, especially. I mean, watching that third and eighteen play, it's like someone got burnt. I, I can't tell whose number it is on the broadcast. But like someone just got burnt and turned right off that route, and that's what blew everything up and put uh, put Keenan Allen in single coverage. That was
0: that was Joshua Williams.
1: That was Joshua Williams. Yeah, dude. But like you said, I don't know if, if Spags wants to play man coverage and leave our corners on an island. It's like, how is he not like great? Okay. Like you said, McDuffie, Snead, you guys go deep. Don't get torched. Because I—that's it, dude. McDuffie is elite athleticism, and Snead is long, tall, and fairly athletic for his build. Those are two guys I would trust getting up there and whapping down a jump ball. They also, did I mention, turn their heads and try and track the ball,
0: <laughs> which, which now Trivarius Ward is doing. I don't want to uh, spend an hour on Travis Ward like 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 we did this morning in the chat but anybody go back to the to the to the game that just happened for an, for and Cardinals and I swear to you I swear Travis Ward is on an island with D-Hop and he turns his head every single time and I'm like where was this for the past 5 years where Reese and I have done 130 podcasts just wailing on you and then all of a sudden in Mexico City you come the goat, anyway. Uh, I, I don't mean to get off topic, but like, what the hell? No,
1: no, totally fair enough. Uh, I still would not pay Charvarius Ward like fifteen
0: million a year or whatever the forty. Oh yeah, it was. Kid. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was. It was definitely a good move. It was definitely a good move to to release him because yeah, too much money.
1: Yeah. So Armando, I think that kind of leaves us with our last thing to talk about tonight, which is going to be predictions for the Kansas City Chiefs versus the L.A.
0: Rams this next week. Who you got? It, this game's weird, Reese, because like. The Rams have only won three games and yes, they have been without Matthew Stafford at times, but like, this is still the same defense. Am I right? Like, am I, am, am I missing something here? Did like Jalen Ramsey become like uh doo-doo number one and doo-doo number two combined? Like what, what's going on with this defense before I make this prediction?
1: I've always thought Jalen Ramsey was a little overrated. And I think it might be to the point now where Which is
0: true, but is it three and seven overrated?
1: (laughs) But it's like I think he's overrated. I think he's won a Super Bowl, so you know, he's a little content. And I think he might be on the downs like heading on the downswing of his career. All those things might be like hitting at the exact same time. But yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's tough to say. I've watched this Rams team all year, I, I, and they don't look good. You know, I have not watched a good Saint, or Los Angeles Rams game. They look terrible against the Bills. Uh, could not beat the Falcons or the Cardinals. Stomped by the 49ers. Beat convincingly by the Cowboys. Beat the Panthers. But again, stomped by the Niners.
0: I, I don't know. This is, this is tough to say. Is uh, Matt Stafford going to be back in this game? Yeah, so Matt Matt was there uh, for part of the Saints game, so I think he's back. What about Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup is out. That's so, great. So, so they're, they're, their offense is in shambles. Allen Robinson's finally getting some play, and they actually just released Daryl Henderson. So I think they're just like, okay, we hate Cam Akers, but you know what? Cam's our guy. <laughs> you know, this is at Arrowhead. Without checking the weather, I'm going to guess
1: this is probably at the very least cooler weather than the Rams are used to playing. I really think this should be a game where if we just show up and don't play like idiots, you know, we should be able to <laughs> hopefully impose our will on him. Uh, you know, I, I was saying it's going back to the I would say going back to the 49ers game that closed out the regular season last year. I don't think the Los Angeles Rams have looked good which I know they won the Super Bowl, but I'll say it again. I think they were the third best. Playing against the Bengals. Well, they were the third best team in the NFC last year. I think the Packers and the 49ers were better. uh, And I think the Bengals were the third, maybe fourth best team in the AFC behind Chiefs, Bills, and maybe, uh, again, maybe arguably Titans. Um, So... Yeah, I I, I was not sold on the Super Bowl champion Rams last year and they look really bad and like uh, the bell has told and that the bill has come due on all those draft picks they so frivolously shirked away. Um I will be curious to see how Aaron Donald and Chris Jones look. Uh not one on
0: one, obviously, but you know, playing head to head. If if Colt McCoy can put up twenty-seven points and Andy Dalton can put up twenty-seven points on the Rams, safe to say Patrick Mahomes can put up twenty-seven points on the Rams. I'm I'm a little worried about this defense because I'm wondering whether they kind of slacked off against the Cardinals and the Saints and then they're gonna play against us like like Aaron Donald's gonna have that dog in him, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if, yeah, but even if he does, like look, these are just some these are some some awful losses like one against Colt McCoy, one against um, Andy Dalton. I'm going to say this game go. And because there's no Cooper cup and there might be no Matthew Stafford or at least a banged up Matthew Stafford, let's say it's 31, 31 to 14 Kansas city chiefs. And I know that, I, I know that sounds like a blowout, and it probably is a blowout. Just like, I don't know. It just feels right. Uh, I would say, uh,
1: this is hard. I would say 34-20 Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Yeah. And and Reese, remember how we had the conversation last week about like the um the wide receiver sometimes makes the quarterback and we talked about that with Tua and Tyreek Hill. I mean, this is undoubtedly Cooper Cup makes Matthew Stafford, and there is no debate on that. So if you don't have a Cooper Cup, you don't have an offense. And this is one of the rare offenses in the NFL where this is the case. So because of that, that's why I don't think they're going to put up a lot of points.
1: Yeah, not afraid of Allen Robinson this year, although watch him torch us in single coverage all game. (laughs) He's going to have like seven
0: touchdowns.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Straight up all Madden. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is not coming back to save him this time. Uh yeah, I don't even I couldn't even name their running back at this point. It's not Cam Akers anymore, is it?
0: No, Cam. So so Cam. So apparently Cam was like gonna get released, but they just released Darrell Henderson. So like Cam is the cowbell again. But like they hate. Cam Akers, like, oh, yeah. like uh, what, Sean, Sean McVay actually does not like Cam Akers like as a person. So it's uh, yeah, there's there, there there's there's no chemistry there. Reese, it's over. I mean, but between their record, the four
1: game losing streak, the way they peed the Bucks game down their leg, like this isn't just an unfortunate team catching bad luck. Like this is a team that has basically packed it up for the year and yep. it might be the end of the Stafford era, you know, uh, of being competitive. So yeah. Oh well, yeah. I, I, and
0: and look, and look after us, like like they they are definitely tanking this season. If they just released Earl Henderson, and then they're like saying R.I.P. to Cooper Cup, because after us, it's it's Seahawks who are good this year. Raiders suck, but then it's Packers, it, the Chargers, Seahawks again. Like, rip.
1: But like, don't rip. you have to have picks to successfully tank? What are they planning on doing? Just oh, that's be- right. They don't have anything.
0: <laughs> oh no. I have You're more screwed, draft guys. picks than the Rams
1: have right now. <laughs>
0: Reese Reese going after Michael Thomas and now going after the Rams (laughs) week uh, one one podcast to the next. I can't wait to you go after next week, Reese,
1: dude. It's it's open season, you know, taking on all comers, welterweight (laughs) champion of Kansas City. Let's go. Oh, that's funny.
0: Anything else, Reese, before we end the pod?
1: Uh, no, Uh just say happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Armando. I hope that turkey turns out great. And, uh hold your loved ones close guys it's a crazy world out there so just savor all the good moments you get with people you love
0: absolutely we are we are thankful for all of you for listening uh, truly a pleasure and always Reese, always a pleasure thankful for you as my as my bud man not only do are we friends but I get to we get to hang we get to do this podcast every week so I'm very thankful everyone in my life see y'all later have a great Thanksgiving eat a lot of food don't worry about the calories you have the rest of your life to go to the gym See you later. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast
1: is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash F-C-S-M to get access to premium content, including bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and Speedy and Angry, our latest 10-part miniseries into the Fast and Furious franchise. Check us out on social media at Fountain City SM for info on the podcast, memes, and, of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for performing our intro and outro themes. And, as always... I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.